0: And now, Girls in Hoodies. Hello, and welcome to the Girls in Hoodies podcast. My name is Emily Yoshida. I'm an editor at Grantland.com, and with me is... Molly Lambert, a writer at Grantland. A big weekend. We had two award shows, one music festival in Los Angeles, and um, I think we're both now recovering emotionally and physically from all of it. So I don't know. What do you want to get into first? VMAs, Emmys? Yeah, this was
1: such a action packed weekend. It, it really was. I'm, I'm. I am i i do not know. It was like a long weekend too, because the Emmys were on Monday. That's too, yeah. It which felt, I thought was great. Yeah,
0: and I think it was maybe. I think they said it was the second highest rated Emmys in the last
1: decade or something. I feel like, like it's that. like it makes it makes Monday feel like part of the weekend. I right. feel like when there's an award show on Tuesday, it just adds to that feeling of yeah. like oh, God, like, I've wasted my whole Sunday watching this, but on Monday, mm-hmm. I'm glad to have something. Yeah, there is a sense of dread when, especially if you have a job
0: where <laughs> perhaps you have to write or cover this sort of thing. Uh, there's a, definitely a feeling on a Sunday night at midnight when, you know, you have it's been three hours since the the awards stopped showing and you're kind of feeling like you're losing your mind and wondering <laughs> about what outside looks like. <laughs> Uh, we saw
1: what outside looked like this weekend though because we spent most of it in a basement we did i went to <laughs> emily and i went to fyf which is a big music festival that was at exposition park this year and it is a big outdoor music festival but there's also a electronic music basement where we spent all of our time
0: yeah we didn't really leave the basement um and i ended up this is the first time i've been to this festival particularly uh since they um they they're now run by the same company that runs Coachella so a lot of it sort of resembles itself as far as how the tents work how you do it basically it's very um, disneyland if disneyland made you bleed <laughs> then yes i had a i had a
1: disneyland makes a lot of people bleed i think if you walk if you walk around there for long enough disneyland has the springy cement though the
0: secretly (laughs) like they They mix in
1: the nixon rubber with the
0: asphalt so that you your feet don't get as tired did you know this no i didn't know that this is our this is our cottage industry on this podcast is cool fun facts you didn't know about disneyland and this is this is one of my favorite disneyland facts um but yeah no this that was not the case with fyf i I basically I had to work and also had critically injured my feet <laughs> the, the first day at the festival, which was like I, it was a really big bummer to me. And like I the but at the same time like the festival and I, know, I had a lot of friends who were trying to go around from different stages and were having a really hard time with it. And I felt like we were lucky because we were really just in the basement. But everybody I know who went the first day was like, I don't know if I can do this again because it was just organized kind of illogical. i
1: will say that they fixed all the organization issues on the second day and it's good to know it was a lot more chill i definitely was like i don't know when i woke up that day i'm just like do i want to go out there again um but i did and i had fun i had a really good time it's it was fun it was there's something to be
0: said i think about something that isn't such a well-oiled machine as coachella like it is i mean there was a moment where they, the fire marshal shut down the venue we were trying to get into and it was like this throng outside of the arena um and people were like legitimately bummed people were
1: it seemed like people might mush each other a little bit
0: i don't think it seemed angry in that way it was just like this sad and i, I was saying like one of my favorite things is when like edm Ambrose are really sad like and and like, they're they're, it's, they're upset about something, but, like, it's not in an aggro way. It's, like, they're just legitimately bummed, and it probably has something to do with, like, their, their drugs not peaking at the right time. <laughs> but these guys behind me were just like, man, I really want to dance. <laughs> <laughs> like, these two guys in snapbacks. And I was like, that's beautiful. Like, and that's how I felt the next day when I couldn't go to the festival. I was like, ugh. Oh. I just want to dance. (laughs) It's just so sad to want to dance and not be able to dance. (laughs) But um, we saw, like, what were some highlights? I mean, we were in the electronic area, but the strokes were there and Interpol was there. That was sort of the big... Headline.
1: I could not thing. believe how many people were there for the strokes. That's crazy. You were telling me
0: about this that, like, there's a full on strokes revival, like a nostalgia revival happening. It's for not
1: people. a nostalgia revival. It's the people who didn't remember class. them for the first yeah, time. It yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. Teenagers. Teenagers were there in strokes t shirts, just lining up in the first, you know, 10 rows all day for the stroke show. Uh and then, you know, when the strokes played, they were fine. <laughs> did you did you see them? I saw I saw a few songs. I kinda of wanted to just see how crazy yeah, the sure. crowd was and it was really big and crazy and uh yeah, they're they're fine. They kinda of sound like a reggae band now. I don't know <laughs> if they always did and I just didn't notice because I was distracted by how they dressed, but they kind of have some reggae songs. A lot of their songs had kind of a
0: reggae huh. feel. I kind of, you know, I, I kind of kept, stop keeping tabs on them. You said after. a
1: really funny thing about the Strokes recently where I you were saying that you were never into them because they, they were so hot that it was, like, too scary. Oh, um, was that
0: me? Did I, I say so. that? I don't... I, so. <laughs> I remember in high school when they were big and, like, the whole garage thing was sort of happening and I... I, yeah, I I remember not being that interested in them because I was just very, like, my priorities were, like, on emo at that time, (laughs) which, you know, naturally, as a a high schooler does. But, yeah, there was something, I guess, you know, I didn't really fully understand what they were referencing also as far as their style and everything like that. Um, So... I didn't really have an entry point with them. I mean, I liked them. I, 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 I was obsessed with that first album, but I wasn't. It never really felt like mine the way that some other right. stuff has. I was in
1: college, so I was surrounded by college radio people who were like, this isn't as good as television or Gang of mm-hmm. Four, which, you know, is totally fair. But everybody liked it anyway. I definitely remember that. Well, it was funny because it was like I had always in high school been like, what if other people liked cool stuff? Mm-hmm. And I wasn't an outlier who doesn't know anybody who likes the stuff that I like. Um, and then when I was in college and all that stuff did get really cool, I was like, wait, this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, is now everybody way- likes
1: all the things I like, and think- I don't know how I feel about that.
0: Do you think now, if you were to start college, if you were a freshman and you you know joined the college radio station, would everybody still... Have you gotten into the wire and television
1: do you think that's still part of the uh, I think the gauntlet probably you know I think everything has shifted towards electronic music in terms of the avant-garde yeah the cool kids but um actually one of the things I thought was really cool about FYF was that it was kind of you know rock rock and electronic music and all these different genres coexisting peacefully you know it yeah. didn't feel like there was a you know kind of a divide between all the stages it was just everybody wanted to see everything which feels very what it's like now
0: (laughs) yeah i i i just for that festival i disagree just because it was so hard to get from place to place and i just like when i looked at the schedule i was like well i'm going to be in the same place all week anyway i mean i like i would have wanted to see kalayla and stuff the next day or was she
1: in the um, she was in the the arena sports arena Uh, okay I, i was also i keep saying that what was really surreal to me was i kept seeing kids wearing Grateful Dead, 90s Grateful Dead shirts, and I saw the Grateful Dead at the sports arena in 1994. (laughs) Uh, I was 11. But, you know, I was like, I've been here before. (laughs) This is a weird feeling of just everything. Yeah, I mean, I think last year I went to FYF last year. And uh, when I went last year, that was the first time I really encountered the phenomenon of teenagers dressed 90s. Yeah. uh, And felt just like, oh, I am not this is not my demo. This is, you know, I'm not a millennial because these are millennials and I'm not that. Yeah. I must be Gen X, you know, even though realistically I'm somewhere between the two. <laughs> but uh, this year I was more prepared for that. Yeah. and I You, you know, came in your disguise. I came and I was ready. <laughs> I found it amusing because I was prepared for it. I mean, last year, you know, I keep saying like I went to FYF and I kind of saw the breeders and, and that was about it. And then... um I went to see Steely Dan the next week, and I was so comfortable in the Steely Dan (laughs) crowd because it was all just, you know, old hippies wearing fezzes. Yeah. And I was like, man, this is not intimidating. (laughs) These are my people. Uh, And this year, I I was more ready for sort of... Everybody looking like an extra from Clueless. Yeah, uh, and I've and I've started to find it kind of amusing. Although I keep saying it's like, oh, this must be what it was like when we all dressed seventies and the nineties. Right, right. You know, and we were all like, oh, let's dress like dazed and confused. That it must have been confusing for people who actually lived through the seventies. Like that's not what we looked like. Yeah, this is like a costume version.
0: I think it's less for me the way that people are dressed and more the impulse to go and be outdoors and walk around and kind of on parade for it for a weekend like that which is something that once i'm there i enjoy but like the weekend before this last weekend there was this festival in our neighborhood in echo park and i felt so like troubled <laughs> i i just i there was just so many people out walking <laughs> were you just like go home you damn kids <laughs> yeah it was just like I just sometimes it's hard for me to find the point of something, but then once I'm once I'm in at some place like a festival or anything like that, then I, I'm like, oh, this is the best and the worst at the same time, because like that was the funny thing about trying to get into that venue is that like, one second you're like. Uh, I hate this. This is the worst thing that I've ever had
1: to go through. And then the next minute it's like, yes, this is the, this is the best. I love this. But well, when they let us into the sports arena, oh, yeah. we weren't sure if we were going to get into the sports arena, which was the electronic music basement. And then they let everybody in at once. And it was just like, it was like we were all going to a high school basketball game or something. It was like, everybody was like cheering, like it was a rally. Yeah. And we were all running down a ramp together, like, yeah.
0: <laughs> and everybody's like high fiving each other. It was like the night Obama won the election. It was great. <laughs> I I just
1: love people watching. Yeah. Uh, I definitely reached like a crowd threshold point where I want to be, you know, when I got home on, on Saturday night, I was like, oh, man. Listening to jazz fusion with nobody around is also a really fun experience. <laughs> well, you uh, you ran
0: into somebody pretty special at, at FYF while oh. we were in the
1: while we were in the uh, EDM basement. <laughs> True, I saw Nathan Fielder of Grantland's favorite yeah. program Nathan for you at um he was at Caribou. It was a real Hollywood moment. It was a real Hollywood <laughs> moment. Uh, my boyfriend, Johnny, talked to him first and talked to him about this magician, Darren Brown, who they both really like. Uh, and I kind of came over a little bit later and was like, oh, I guess I'm going to go talk to him, too. And then <laughs> talked to him for way too long. Like, I felt like I was bugging him. And uh, as you know, also, I was kind of like yelling over electronic music. It yeah. wasn't the ideal you know, a cost right. somebody situation, but um, he was so nice and cool and uh, just friendly, not, not. And he's, and he's a big Grimes fan too. Yeah. He's a big Grimes fan. He said they grew up like a 10 blocks away from each other, but they don't know each other, but they're both, you know, Canadian, Canadian exports. Oh, and, um, but yeah, he was with like the crew from his show and just very cool. And such a big fan of Nathan. That's, for you. that's the real LA there. <laughs> chilling listening to
0: I just with Canadians listening to a Canadian DJ I, yeah. felt, I felt like
1: I was being so awkward you know Like <laughs> I feel like I turned into him on the show just trying to talk to him and be like so like what do you think about you like music me too cool <laughs> we're all just people here um but yeah I was really excited uh that he talked to Johnny about Darren Brown because Darren Brown is amazing and People in the U.S. don't necessarily know who he is because he is a magician, a famous magician in England. Who he's, but he's more than a magician. He's like a mentalist, and he does all these crazy kind of thought experiment specials. It's I can't even explain it. I feel like there's nothing like it on. American What's his TV.
0: look? His vibe? Like I mean, it's clearly probably not like a Chris Angel. It's not thing, a Chris right?
1: Angel thing, and it's not yeah he's not like he doesn't look like a magician if if that's what you mean he doesn't look like david copperfield or anybody either he just looks like a guy he just looks like a regular british guy um and then he does just all kinds of crazy hypnotism and he's kind of like ricky jay that's the person i would compare him to is ricky jay Mm -hmm. he's somebody who's like clearly very smart really good at a lot of different things and uh We were talking about there's this one, one of his, I want to call them a sketch maybe. It's a sketch, sure. But it's, um, he did something where he played against like six chess grandmasters and he doesn't know, he's not like a chess fiend or anything. He Mm -hmm. doesn't really, he's not great at chess, but he, he basically like went and played against each, he went from table to table and the way that he did it was that he played like the previous move. He was playing them against each other basically. He was like playing the move that the other person had played against the next person so they were essentially playing each other uh it's just crazy he's all of his things are like that they're all some of them you know you don't know if if it's tv magic or real magic but uh this this adds to to bill simmons's theory that magic is going to be the next wave in America. Which How does like what's the timetable like that? On when magic? Does that, when does that when does magic break? I think Bill was thinking that the David Blaine special was gonna break magic in when America. That? The one where he like went to people's houses and did magic. I don't you see know. that? I'm oh, not, I'm so not tuned into the magic world. I gotta be honest. I'm
0: tuned into <laughs> a lot of worlds
1: just not into magic. Well but. soon you won't be able to avoid it because <laughs> magic will be everywhere. Um yeah I actually had a friend who worked on the Burt Wonderstone, the Steve Carell uh-huh. magic movie. And she is an art department person. And so she spent all this time researching the David Copperfield big illusions and sort of learning how they were done so that they could recreate them for the movie. And I just found it all really fascinating. It is mm-hmm. just like it's like any of these micro worlds where you're like all these people know each other. You know, they're like stand ups or something. It's like they all know each other. They all versus, hang out at the yeah, magic they all, castle. Or, they do. I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool.
0: That seems like a good bonus to, to being a magician.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, obviously it's very nerdy in a certain way, but so are a lot of things. I wish there was a magic castle for bloggers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know what that would be. I, but. Think I, t- I think I was telling you about this, but I read the in the Jenny Lewis interview in the New York Times recently that she was talking about how there was a Clubhouse for child stars in Hollywood. What that was like a place child stars could go and hang out and it was like a bar with milkshakes instead. Oh of my god! Uh, and that that was where Corey Haim made her a tape that was like Run DMC on one side and the Beastie Boys on the other, <sighs> and like got her into music. You know, changed her life by getting her into rap.
0: It was it where the uh, the Disney soda fountain is. That's now. what I'm Under- imagining.
1: I'm imagining <laughs> yeah. the Disney soda fountain. That's funny. Or like the El Capitan as just sort of like a Muppet clubhouse for for That's- child stars of the 80s and 90s. Just like a super like juiced up break room, basically. Yeah, or like the Hollywood canteen or something. Yeah, just with a specific. Yeah, I would love to know more about that. I feel like. Wow uh, if that's a real thing it's fascinating to me that
0: feels like something like that feels like something I've heard about before it feels, feels familiar like I read about it in Disney Adventures magazine or something like that <laughs> when I was a kid um, Wow uh, well uh, uh, we also want to talk about VMAs uh, at least for a second uh, which was on Sunday and you know kind of going into it wasn't supposed to be
1: that exciting well last uh, year was kind of unexpectedly so exciting yeah last year i guess it was just that the narrative was that it was going to be like gaga versus katy perry with these and then miley just kind of came and hijacked the whole hijacked it from everybody yeah um miley i've been thinking about this but like miley's urban phase her quote-unquote urban phase lasted like a year to the day that's true it's crazy it's like she's over it She's making psychedelic music with the flaming lips. Which is I don't know. I mean, it all feels right to me. She's she sang a Roy Orbison song on the Chelsea Lately finale.
0: And <laughs> see that that's just like a combination of two people that I don't really have that much patience for now. So um Yeah. Her voice is really well suited to a Roy Orbison song. I can see it. No, it makes sense. Um
1: no, it's just I don't know. I the the but yeah, Miley kind of also stole the VMAs this year by doing not what anyone expected, which was to have a homeless guy accept her award and talk about this Hollywood homeless shelter. And Yeah, we uh, we sent a, a writer,
0: um, Devin Maloney, yeah. out to the VMAs, and she was telling me that when that guy was up there, like, there were just people in the upper seats just, saying, like, yelling, go away, we want Miley. Oh, God. Like. Yeah, it was just a real display of everybody on their best behavior. Yeah, it's
1: not, well, I mean, you also see, I don't know if this was really happening, but there was a Gawker story about um during the moment of silence for Ferguson that the Kardashians yeah. all on their phones, which I Red, don't know if that was it. just bad editing. Well, it was a live cast,
0: so I don't think that that would take a lot of effort and quit and like people would have to be really fast to edit in a clip right. of... The Kardashians being on their phone. And for what? I'm not exactly sure. Last
1: year, there was kind of the false meme of that shot of the Will Smith and family being really, you know, not having it during Miley's performance. It turned out to be from a different part of the show. So I do think that's a thing that happens. Yeah. Uh,
0: Uh, As far as I remember, though, that actually happened because people were talking about it right after it happened like as soon as it was on the air but um i mean but there was other you know fakery there was the fake wardrobe malfunction that you know no is was not real um which it just seems like that's a that's a weird that's a weird way to pull that as it's a weird thing to want to pull off and that's a weird thing so to speak and a weird thing to like a weird way to do it because it wasn't like it wasn't like a Janet Jackson J- Janet Jackson type thing where you can see that like as a choreographed thing. It's like they just sent her out there with a broken dress and she just kind of had to hold it together and that I don't know. It seems like
1: such a weird move, but
0: I also But it's also sort
1: of the only talking point about the VMAs.
0: Yeah, I mean and at the same time though, I mean if they I feel like it wouldn't have moved the meter at all if They had skipped doing any of that kind of thing and just been like, yo, you're going to get a performance from Ariana Grande and Nicki Minaj and, parentheses, Jesse J. (laughs) (laughs) And and you're going to get an amazing, like, 16-minute performance from Beyonce. And that's what you want from this.
1: It's a bunch of performances from people. Let's talk about Beyonce. Yeah, sure. Let's get into it. Is it it bad to be bored by somebody being perfect?
0: No, I think that's a very reasonable... um, that's a reasonable reaction I find Beyonce to be like what's a good like seeing a a, a big blockbuster action movie that you don't care about and then going to see it in IMAX 3D and just like you you don't have expectations from it you're like this will be entertaining whatever I don't really care but because of the actual enormity of it when you're actually face to face with the performance you can't help but be like Oh, my God, this is the best thing I've ever seen, which is kind of how I was reacting when I was watching that performance. And I was, you know, I was expecting something semi-staged that involved Jay-Z and had, you know, some some kind of reparative action on the, their current, uh, I don't know, whatever PR thing that they need to figure out right now. But um, Well,
1: Matthew Knowles, her dad, just claimed that it was all PR. I mean, of course it was. You don't, you, I mean... You think the elevator some of oh, the stage? Oh, all of it. Yeah, I thought you meant like the uh, just just from the. Beginning. I mean, the whole arc that the the elevator. Let's say the elevator was staged, that it was all just viral promo for the tour to make the tour a much bigger deal, and that it worked. I mean, um, if you think about just the level of intricacy, it seems impossible that it could all be staged no
0: i think it seems possible it could be sage i just don't know i feel like but there's enough of a loss there though to them right that i don't know why they would do it
1: no i don't know why they would do it either but it obviously it doesn't seem to have affected it negatively i think it has though
0: you i do? think i think that it, it put a like you know a chink in the armor a
1: little bit like there's a flaw But it, don't you think that was like exactly what beyonce needed was to have a flaw but it's not her flaw. Flawless. Yeah.
0: It's but not her it was, flaw, though. It's like a flaw, thing
1: that happened to her. Her flaw is protecting the marriage above her own interests. Her her flaw is maintaining... Being too good of a wife. Well, yeah. No, <laughs> seriously. Her flaw yeah. is maintaining the facade even if there, is, if there are things happening. I mean, I feel like just when you heard the Beyonce album, you were like, oh, there's some stuff going on in that marriage. Yeah. Assuming that she's talking about real stuff, you know, it seemed like that was the thread of the album was like. Yeah, I guess that that seemed like enough for me. I mean, I would never
0: assume whether or not their marriage is real or for business or whatever people say. Like, I would never assume,
1: like, who in what world would it ever be perfect? Like, would any marriage be perfect? And just in the media where, yeah, you know, these super couples get kind of built up into into gods of- so
0: i guess like i just don't know why i i don't know i think it just plays on ex- an expectation that it is actually perfect irl like when the cameras are not there and when nobody's giving an interview everything is perfect and i would never expect that to begin with so when it's like a big shocker that you know they they have an argument or like something you know they had a a disagreement about something it's like
1: yeah that's that's marriage like well, I, I don't think- know The thing is, like, now I'm so cynical that uh, I genuinely thought that Nick and Mariah's marriage breaking down might just be a publicity stunt to get, get, you know, a new round of press for the Mariah album, because the Mariah album is great, and didn't do that well i think they're not gonna they're not gonna sink more money into that at this point no but i was totally thinking like is this a last ditch attempt to get people interested in the album by making a you know making a a story but i do really think maybe their marriage is breaking up but also what a weird hall of mirrors to even think about you know i mean it it must just be so weird to have your marriage be like a professional endeavor that's a part of your Whole thing, yeah. It seems like a nightmare. I (laughs) would. Yeah, it seems like um, just like when the tabloids were, you know, talking about the royal wedding and stuff like that. About like, oh, it's every girl's fantasy to be married to the prince. It's like, no, it's (laughs) not. Every girl's (laughs) fantasy to be photographed just everywhere you go and never be allowed to have a day where you look off or anything. Like that just seems what Beyonce's life is like, and that's why it seems. Yeah. You know, you just never see her looking not perfect even when she's in her casual sweatpants looks it's like she's still styled within an inch of her life yeah and i just can't imagine perfect casual yeah maybe that's just her her beauty queen you know upbringing i
0: think at a certain point you can't really shake that out of a person like you can't it's not like when somebody doesn't when somebody has been in that world and trained to be a certain way for that long like you can't tell them to relax they're not gonna like well
1: I feel like it started even, you know, before the elevator thing with the Super Bowl halftime show when she There was, was apparently an argument backstage during that. Time. Oh, right. I wasn't yeah. even talking about that, though. I mean, uh, the, just the the bad photos coming out and her right. trying to stop the bad photos and that. I think that was an interesting performance because I did expect it to be sort of like a perfect robotic, regular Beyonce performance. And then it was a little bit like, oh, maybe they needed some more rehearsal time to get this. I mean... really. Yeah, I, just, I,
0: I mean, I, I just remember
1: being good. a little underwhelmed because I, I don't know, I I think we just expect so much of her because I don't know what else she could have done. Besides higher, that. she got Destiny's Child back together. Like. Funniest was when Michelle like almost popped off the stage. Yeah. <laughs> oh
0: man. Um, well, it, it, on on the topic of her being perfect, I wanted to bring a uh, bring up a, a a disagreement I had with a friend, a mutual friend of ours, during the VMAs. Um, Regarding Beyoncé, because, okay, so basically the theme of the VMAs, if there was a theme. Okay, so if the theme of the VMAs last year was uh, uh, cultural appropriation. Uh, the theme this year was butts. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it started off with um, Nicki Nikki Minaj and Ariana Grande and Jessie J doing um, Anaconda. An- well, Nikki did Anaconda and then they did um, Bang Bang. 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 Bang Bang. I keep forgetting how that song goes because it every sounds time— sounds like a high school
1: musical song. Well,
0: every time I see the title, I start to hear Boom Clap, the Charlie oh. XCX song, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I like that song, and then I remember that it's not that song.
1: Every time I hear Bang Bang, I think about the Louie episode where <laughs> the Bang, bang his brother yeah. do the Bang Bang. Yeah. Um, That's what I think it is now, is going to eat two really <laughs> indulgent meals back to back. That's what I wish the song were about. Well, I mean, in theory,
0: it should be like that musically to have Ariana Grande and and Nicki
1: Minaj in the same song, but it's not. Can Um, we just put Jessie J on the bench? That's what everybody would like to do with that song. That song should be stricken from the record, I think. It's really not
0: good, but... so anyway, so that started it off. And you also had you had Nikki doing Anaconda, of course, when she was kind of doing the same twerk moves that were in her video, which we talked about last week, which, you know, is great. And then um, but at the end, um, Beyonce did her, you know, she, she got the video Vanguard Award, whatever that means for the VMAs. And so that like like Justin Timberlake really last year did like a big medley
1: of all the hits a career spanning -spanning medley uh she came out of her mother's womb and (laughs) reenacted her life from birth that would be
0: amazing onward (laughs) i mean really she just did her last album she didn't do any other song. yeah but um it was like a
1: like an opera
0: yeah and it was you know i think it was like the cliff's notes version of her half of the on the run tour basically um and But, you know, there was also a lot of butt action in it. There was a whole kind of twerking, pole dancing type segment in it. And so a friend of mine who's watching it uh, was like, we were watching this. And I mean, the choreography is insane. Like, you can't like everybody is just so together. It's like the, it's like whenever I see whenever I'm watching, like. Uh, America's Best Dance Crew or something like that and suddenly everybody's so together like I just elicits an involuntary response where I'm like oh my god this is <laughs> the best um, but uh, so my friend was like oh this this right now makes Nicki Minaj look really silly by comparison and I just like for, I really disagreed with that point and I think it like I, I, I mean I wanted yell? was there yelling? There was There were raised voices, (laughs) but I but but I mean, basically, though, I mean, I think but I think this sort of assumption, I think the reason that I got uh, worked up over is that I think that that assumption like that 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 statement is based on runs through a lot of uh, pop criticism and the idea that there is one hierarchy and that everybody is aspiring to be one type of perfect
1: pop star well, i think it's like i was just saying like i would rather be nikki than beyonce right because beyonce's life doesn't seem fun yeah nikki's life does seem fun yeah
0: and i don't and i really just don't believe when it comes down to it that that uh that nikki wants to be beyonce i don't think i think yeah i don't think that uh what's a good example of somebody else i don't I think like maybe, that a charlie XCX wants to be taylor swift you know like i it's like everybody's in. They want to be the best version of the thing that they're doing. And some of those things run really close to each other. But I just, I don't think that, that, uh, Nikki and Beyonce are in the same business at all. But, and I don't they know. just did flawless together. So, yeah. Like that seems like a show of solidarity. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think that the, both of those, like they elevated each other with oh, that. Well, so just like,
1: Nikki's a rapper and Beyonce's a singer. It's two different lanes. Yeah. Not. The same, you know, this person I, was also insisting that that, that Nikki
0: was not primarily a rapper anymore. That person is wrong, <laughs> <laughs> that person is probably listening I mean, to this podcast. I, right call,
1: <laughs> I would still call Drake a rapper, you know, just because you sing doesn't mean you're not primarily a rapper, yeah. I don't think anybody would say Drake is a is prim- primarily a singer, even though he sings as much as he raps. Probably. Yeah, I think he's like an I think he's a fifty fifty split. And also Beyonce was rapping recently. You know, I think maybe yeah. Beyonce wants to be Nicki. Well, that's too. the thing is that like she sounded like she's have she was having more fun than she did on the entire rest
0: of her album, which she does sound like she's having fun on a lot of Beyonce the album, but in that Flawless remix, she sounds like she's having. Like double the fun just because Nikki is there,
1: like being ridiculous. And- well, she seemed it seems more fun to be Beyonce this album than it did during four to me. Like, oh, yeah. Four was when I was like, oh, she is never going to come back to reality. She's just going to be making songs for weddings from now on. And yeah. And that seemed like the bigger misstep. Aside from
0: whatever marital problems could yeah. be going on, well, the love
1: on top like, video made me be like, something might be wrong behind <laughs> the scenes because this is so over the top. Yeah, everything it's like is overcompensating. <laughs> it was. It felt very overcompensating, and but who knows? Who knows what goes on behind the scenes? I don't know. I mean, uh, talking about Taylor Swift for a second, like uh, what I've heard about the new Taylor Swift album is that she's just making a fun pop album because she says kind of like. I don't really care as much about boys as I did maybe a few years ago. And, you know, maybe she's overcompensating with this statement, but she was saying like, I just want to tour the world and hang out with my friends and that's what my album's about. And I was like, cool. That's probably a lot more fun than pining over boy band guys that, you know, even though maybe that's what everybody wants from her is more of that, that for her to be like, no, I don't want to do that because well, it's probably, I'll be happier if yeah, I do It's probably not the most fun
0: songwriting process.
1: But I just feel like with Taylor, the thing has always been, you know, that everyone's always been like, why can't she just like chill out and just be happy with all the stuff that she has in her life? And I don't think that she sounds chilled out. <laughs> well, for
0: her, she sounds more. I I can't. Can, I don't think I can overstate how much I don't, like, shake it off. And I've heard it, like, now a hundred more times since the last time we talked about it. I heard
1: it on the radio the other day, and I did not change the station. I was I was ready for it. You don't immediately tune away by the time it, like, comes to the breakdown? No, that's so my, my favorite break- part.
0: <laughs> When she said These starts- are the lyrics, these are lyrics. My ex man brought his new girl a friend. She's like, "Oh my god." That's my favorite
1: part. I'm going to shake. My favorite part <laughs> is to the fellow over there with the hella good hair. No, it's so bad. It's so good. It's so bad. That's her being casual. I love it. I do you know how often I say in my head to the fellow over there with the hella good hair now just every <laughs> 5 seconds. I'm just I'm glad she's refreshing hella for a new generation. She can't claim hella. Well, I found out that Not Mark, even no doubt could claim hella. Mark Romanek uh, Yeah, it's true because cuz they're, they're Orange County. SoCal, yeah. It's true. I like this kind of SoCal appropriating Norcal yeah. hella. <laughs> well, cuz hella is one of those things Hella, if you don't know, is a thing that people in Northern California say it sincerely means hell of. <laughs> does it does it go all the way up to the Pacific Northwest? Yes.
0: No, it I was going to say uh, um, that was a thing I remember in middle school. People started saying hella and then some kids, some Mormon kids or religious kids in general started saying
1: hecca. hecca. People say hecca. <laughs> I've heard hecca. <laughs> i think i think hella and hecka are those things that work their way into your vocabulary as a joke at first you know <laughs> like i started saying it as a joke and then sometimes i just say it now oh yeah no me same too. with like uh I feel like when I went to college, I started using all this California slang just like kind of as a joke. I started saying things like gnarly all the time. Oh, I say gnarly so much. And then it just became part yeah. of my vocabulary and the joke just fell out of it. And it's the same thing with hella. It's just like I might say hella in a situation. Yeah, I keep I keep a y'all like, in, <laughs> in, in my back pocket you all the time. I say y'all. It's like, and
0: it's not even an Iowa thing. People think that it's because I lived in the Midwest, but it's mostly because my mom's half of the family is from Kansas. And that's like, y'all. Was it's just a good thinking. abbreviation. It's very easy to say. But it, the first it, time I went to the
1: South sign? and people actually were all saying y'all, I was like, I'm in paradise. <laughs> Except for everything else about hey, the South. But just, you know, somebody saying like, y'all come back now, you hear, yeah, here. And no, I was like, oh my
0: God, that's adorable. Yeah, um, That's hella Keep we should um, we should we should move to something really important
1: that I think I think we can say we did <laughs> this last week. <laughs> sure, um, we made this happen. Uh, the Hol- Ma- we the magics in us. and <laughs> Catch Fire got renewed I'm on AMC.
0: So excited! And I feel like it all started when molly tweeted over i think it was it was the weekend before this last about um creating a a uh, text-based program uh to send to amc about renewing the show and basically it became a giant chain tweet uh star-studded even <laughs> uh <laughs> that uh, and then you and it included chris cantwell uh, one of
1: the uh, creators of the show and Then within a week of that, it got renewed. I am so happy about it getting renewed because I honestly did not think it was going to happen. And so I was already getting disappointed in advance of just, you know, that we can't have nice things. Yeah. But I'm so, I think that's so cool. And also just it was really illuminating after we had Ryan Johnson on the pod recently. And he was talking about, you know, working on Breaking Bad in the third season. And people in Breaking Bad, you know, that Vince Gilligan was upset that Breaking Bad wasn't a bigger show at that point, you know, where you think in retrospect, you just remember Breaking Bad. It's like, no, it was the biggest show in the world right out the gate. And that's not true. No, I was, with I was an
0: early adopter on that one. And I remember trying
1: to sell people on that yeah. for like two years. I remember trying to, to sell people it. on Mad Men in the first season and just being like, no, it's on AMC. <laughs> it's good. It's on AMC. See, I feel like I don't
0: ever remember a time when everybody wasn't watching Mad Men, because for the premiere I went to a watch party for it because I knew somebody I guess who worked on it at the th- or like was on the crew for it or something like that, and so I was like, oh, everybody's gonna get together and make martinis and watch the <laughs>
1: show. This is gonna be a thing. But um, but, but hot, yeah, Hot and Catch Fire. It's just yeah, like it deserves another season. It had a great first season that ended really strong. I love it. And, yeah. People think you're kidding when you talk about how much you love it. It's really frustrating, but it's also fun to have a show. A- it's it's like... It is like the thing it's about, where you're like, not everybody's into this, but the people that are into it are so into yeah, it. Yeah, and that's that was sort of the fun thing about being on Twitter and like
0: being, you know, part of this movement, <laughs> is that you saw all these people. Like, I mean, you were joking about doing the the, the, the Infocom program, but then like somebody, somebody did it. Was
1: actually an Italian one. guy did it. Yeah, it was. It,
0: we should retweet that, it's or so I don't know funny. if he did,
1: but um, it was yeah, it looked amazing. I and, feel I feel like it's a similar thing with you know I tweet about Treme sometimes and I love Treme and that's not like an ironic love of Treme. I genuinely think I Treme know was one of the best <laughs> shows and when I find people that also feel that way they're so happy to find somebody else who also understands it you know what I mean like yeah just people people who love that show really love that show and there's not maybe it's just like you can't be a casual fan of of something like that. It's hard now because I mean they're just as evidenced by the actual
0: Emmys themselves, this, this uh, on Monday, like there are one million pretty good to great TV shows out there, and not all of them are going to be the thing that everybody watches. Not all of them are going to win Emmys, and it's, so it's hard. It's like you you know at a certain point it does just come back to taste. It's not a it's not necessarily a Sopranos type thing where it's like you have to watch this like it is part of your cultural requirement. No, no, you can just kind of watch call and catch fire because you're into that kind of thing and not
1: everybody has to watch it. I think everybody listening to this podcast right now Yeah, with should, that. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's cool because now people have a little while to catch up with the show. Yeah. And hopefully by the time the second season premieres, people will have recognized that it's a great show. Yeah. And I really think it just has the best female characters specifically kind of since Mad Men that all the complaints people have about these prestige shows with the difficult men and sort of about everybody being a wife or a mistress, which, you know, if you looked at the Emmys, a lot of those shows, that's what the theme, you know, somebody was saying, like there, there were no uh, best actress from the big shows that got nominated because there were a couple of shows that just didn't have lead actresses. There was just supporting, Oh yeah. you know, yeah. Uh, which is which is crazy and terrible uh but yeah halt and catch fire has two female leads and two male leads and they're all just great and i really feel like it's like mad men in that way of just like this is a real ensemble yeah none of these characters are the most important character even the sort of don drapery character (laughs) is not more important than the other characters no not at all they're all cool
0: yeah i think i think that's something that figured out in the second half was that like the mystery of who this guy is, of who Lee, Lee Pace's character is, isn't going to be the one thing that that show needs to hit. Yeah. Like, it can be about what everybody's deal is and, like, what everybody's sort of ambitions are. And I think that's my favorite thing that that show did that I think is so smart is that in the first episode when they do the reverse engineering of the of the PC uh, and... Um, Uh, what's his face, when Donna comes in and finds him there. And it's like the classic... Breaking Bad-esque. Oh, the wife, like, they actually open up the garage and it's the two guys, like, messing around with a computer inside. And she's like, oh, what are you boys doing? You know, like, it's very much that trope. And they completely turn it on its head by the end because she's the one who's, like, in the garage, basically, making, you know, the new... new, Well, we shouldn't spoil anything. No,
1: but I mean, I think that's part of what is so (laughs) amazing about that show is you kind of expect, oh, you know, here's the wife character. She's going to be on the outside of the cardiff team of mm-hmm. the kind of like you know two guys and cameron who's the cool girl mm-hmm. and then donna who is uh gordon's wife is also incredibly like everybody on the show is skilled at computers yeah except for lee pace's character yeah
0: <laughs> and which is kind of another fun thing about yeah it. yeah
1: and uh you know and cameron is, is obviously a great character i wrote a post about cameron um about what a cool awesome character i've never seen before Mm -hmm. uh just a really good programmer you know but donna too it's just like to have the character that's the wife and not have her be on the outside Mm -hmm. you know not have her be like the nagging person who's like why aren't you taking care of your kids it's like
0: there's There's a part where
1: be the one who strays first yeah
0: and (laughs) and also
1: just like there's a part where she you know, this is a spoiler kind of, but uh, there's a part where she's out of work and she just like finds some pot oh, in the it's garage so great. and yeah. like, smokes the pot and then is just like eating these Oreos in a really funny way. Like, it's so yeah. funny and so good. I think she became my favorite character by the end. Carrie Gachet I mean, is so good. She's, and I yeah. love
0: the two of them together. Her and Scoot McNary, Scoot McNary together.
1: Yeah. Scoot. And I mean, I, I think this is a thing of, <laughs> that there is definitely a thing of, like, if you see a really beautiful actress that your first thought isn't, like, she's going to be the best actress mm-hmm. necessarily. But they're, she's so good. And, you know, same with Mackenzie Davis, who plays Cameron, that... There's a little bit of getting over, like, did they just cast these actresses because they're really hot? And yeah. like, is it going to be unbelievable? But no, they're really good actresses. It's really well-developed characters. And the male characters are really well-developed, too. And I love Toby Huss. Who, yeah, yeah. Uh, was already the strongest man in the world on Pete and Pete. Just, I'm, I'm so glad that he's still on television. I know. He's so good at playing a Texan that I thought he must be Texan, but he's not. <laughs> he's just great at playing that character. Yeah. It's just like, it's such... I don't know. It's, like, not a mean-spirited show. Does that make sense? It's, like... Yeah. No, and it's not... It's not...
0: um, It doesn't let you wallow in the kind of, uh, like, nihilism that Lee Pace's characters have. Yeah. Because there's that there. Like, It's not about man pain. Yeah. It's not about, like, staring into the abyss. It's, like, people who actually want to make something and
1: also like stare into the abyss occasionally yeah and i love that the thing that they're making isn't like a nuclear device or something it's you know sort of a mundane thing but it's a mundane thing that's become so part of everybody's universe that just to think about like how did this become yeah how did a personal computer become something that everybody just has
0: and i think they've managed to tread really lightly around the around the thing of like any kind of historical thing where it's like oh uh Paper clips that'll never catch on that kind of thing like i think i never saw passion of the christ but apparently like because yeah joseph was a carpenter there's like a scene where like child jesus makes a chair <laughs> and, and joseph's like oh that'll never catch on <laughs> which is
1: amazing
0: <laughs> but i mean they never but they never really do that so no. much i mean the closest they come to that is the scene at um at uh what's the name of the conference that they go to the I big, forget it's the but which is the one of the best episodes, but that's a great episode, but when he goes to like this side room that like this you know secret party that Apple's having where they're unveiling the Mac and then, like that's that's like a i think that that because there was no words in that scene like you knew the significance of it because you live in our world today, like, and you don't really have to explain too much. It's
1: a show that's also just not afraid to show you somebody's face and let just something play across somebody's face without spelling it out super intensely. And it, yeah, I mean, it gives the viewers a lot of credit for being smart. Yeah. And I think that is what makes it great. Do you think that, I
0: remember when, when around the time that Matrix came out, and I, I remember reading something somewhere—I don't know what I was reading at the time, what my what my uh, blog role was like—but <laughs> <laughs> uh, something about how you just can't have a compelling work of fiction that involves people staring at computers.
1: I think that's such bullshit. Yeah, and I think um, I think David Fincher has always been really good about dramatizing people interacting with machines it's also just like people interacting with machines is such a huge part of life yeah. to be like oh no that's not dramatic but to say that you know people interacting with cgi animals or whatever is going to be dramatic <laughs> that can't be dramatic that's
0: actually a machine that they're
1: interacting with. like <laughs> yeah i just think like even even in you know david fincher music videos just obviously the social network had a lot of scenes dramatizing people typing things and people using computers mm-hmm. and clicking on things. Um, but, you know, even back to the, like his, the Billy Idol video for Rock the Cradle of Love, there's all this stuff about like the yuppie with all the home technology, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah, and the yeah. home technology getting overridden by like the hot girl who's crawling on all fours <laughs> through his apartment. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think just any, any kind of if you say something is undramatizable, somebody's gonna figure out a way to do it, yeah, and- yeah, and I feel like there's there became a vision
0: i think like that was after the net and everything came out, which is obviously a low point for that kind of thing. Although, you but know, you
1: know what? When I, you look at the net and the, remember the thing I thought was the silliest about the net was that she orders the pizza with right. the computer. Like that's how you order pizza now. I use the pizza tracker on <laughs> Domino's and I totally sit there just like Sandra Bullock and I'm like, oh, my pizza is loading. <laughs> you know. So maybe maybe that movie got some things right is what I'm saying. But I feel like for a
0: while, I mean, first this happened in fiction, obviously, with like Gibson and stuff like that, but then, you know, with the matrix and stuff that's come after that there's this thing of well we can have people interacting with technology but we'll find a way to represent it visually where they're not actually sitting at a terminal you know typing or clicking a mouse like we'll
1: have them be inside the computer right i mean Uh, i think that's a general problem of showing somebody writing is how do you make it dramatic to show something that is mainly happening internally yeah, but there are ways, and I, you know, I think *Halt and Catch Fire*. I never think about it because it's such a good show. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't ever just show people, you know, the, all the cliches of what you would think about of people like gathered around the computer and stuff, you know, trying to make something click. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't linger on those cliches. It doesn't do any of the cliched things, and yeah, just the way the season worked, I felt like it really just. The stakes were really high and it kind of upended all of my ideas about what would happen, which yeah. is what I like. I always want to be surprised. Yeah. It was I mean, it was it was successful,
0: I would so, say. Yeah. I can't I end.
1: can't wait. And uh and also a great soundtrack. Oh yeah. The soundtrack was amazing. Great soundtrack and a great score. Yeah. And the score, which was uh done by guys in tangerine dream mm-hmm. had a lot of those sort of arpeggiated tangerine dream yeah feeling i just i was so I into it love the, the opening credits are some of my favorite opening credits me too it gets me yeah that's it by you really am
0: yeah the
1: <laughs> song is by somebody else and it's kind yeah, of Yeah, it's a, like a it's a swedish guy like yeah some swedish edm guy or something guys making, but can make an 80s throwback music yeah
0: um but anyway re- everybody should catch up on that i don't know when the next season will air but we will be we'll be there we'll be there um well we should wrap up soon but um i don't know if they i I, you know we haven't talked about this so much because i feel like it's it's on the right reason pod right reasons podcast corner like so heavily and they talk about every single week but like i just want to know why not everybody in the world is not watching the Bachelor uh, Bachelor
1: Bachelor in Paradise right now. I like how many negative qualifiers. I don't <laughs> not want to not know why nobody isn't uh, they, uh, watch
0: watch Bachelor in Paradise. That's
1: can you um, can you explain it to me? Um,
0: so so okay so some backstory. Um, so the, everybody knows what the Bachelor franchise is. Bachelor and Bachelorette. A few years ago, they brought on, they, they started Bachelor Pad, which was a third show in the franchise where cast-offs from previous seasons of both would come and do like, kind of like uh, uh, challenge esque challenges like the challenge um and you know hook up and do whatever in some resort likes it or no they're actually in the bachelor house the whole time i think for that is that what bachelor pad is that's what bachelor pad was because they they stopped that they i think they did two or three seasons of that i can't remember moved it
1: to paradise
0: well then they they took a summer off because these were always summer shows they took a summer off last summer and then they rebooted it as Bachelor in Paradise which now takes place in this like beachside resort in it's not even a resort it's like a series of huts uh it's like <laughs> Temptation Island it's kind of like Temptation Island so basically it starts with uh, i think it started with eight women and six guys and uh and the guys have the power they have the roses to hand out so basically you have to be in a couple by the end of each cycle of the episode to move on, and so two people leave, and then the next week they bring on two girls, and or wait, I forget. Anyway, they switch <laughs> who has the power each week. It, it's a it's a just a brilliant. It could go on forever. Does is the thing. everybody get roses? No, only six people, and so two people have to leave because they don't. What is the point? <laughs> well, that's the thing. That's the thing. This past week, so they did a double episode this week, which was just. Um it's it's also really well produced. Like this is this is <laughs> this is my argument for it. It's like it's just the right amount of self-awareness where it's not like eye-rollingly like okay, why should I even watch this if you guys aren't taking this seriously? But I mean, they just do a lot of kind of smart editing with it. Um but uh, <laughs> yeah, so this last week um they we're basically, uh, basically, like it got got to be the end of it. And Chris Harrison, who's the host, was basically saying, like, you know, it, it's it's coming to the end of our time in paradise. Or no, even even didn't even say that. He was like, you know, it's re- the pressure's really on now, like for you to find love for this to
1: you know for this to come together. Did for you, you just hook up with somebody different every week?
0: No, like people have stayed in couples for weeks on end. But there's no like the thing is it could go on forever. It's not really clear how you win it like so it's like slow tv yeah i mean it could, it could go on forever like there's no real end point there's not a way in which you like nobody's said anything about a cash prize for staying on the longest because it's not like it, people get eliminated and it comes down to one person it's like there's always new people coming in so i don't know i mean i'm, I'm choosing not to question what the end game is here but uh it's just super entertaining uh <laughs> And I don't think that you have to be super schooled in the universe of The Bachelor. But it's just like the two hours fly by and it is two hours.
1: It's two hours every week?
0: All those shows are two hours.
1: Well, that's what I can't deal with about those shows is all the padding. If it was just, you know, all the the intro sequences and... When I fast forward through it, it ends
0: up being like an hour 15. Do you just like like being in paradise? Um it's just like my 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 maximum chill out moment. Wouldn't you rather watch week. a show
1: that's just like shots of nature? Yeah, I mean
0: or I like, like what what about Bachelor nature. in Paradise
1: without the Bachelor in part of it? The nice thing about Bachelor in Paradise
0: is that I don't have to um use your brain. Use my brain or go anywhere. <laughs> I like lie down on my floor. I actually like, lie <laughs> down on the floor when I watch it. Like I I try to get like as like supine as
1: possible for
0: Bachelor in I'm Paradise. I'm trying to think
1: of what my equivalent of this show is. Um, Maybe River Monsters.
0: Yeah. I mean, something that's sort of comfortingly predictable. I don't know. But I don't know. This show is, I, I just applaud our our, uh, our corporate partners over at, <laughs> at ABC <laughs> for their work on this show. It's really fantastic. Um, and that's it, I think. <laughs> I think that's all we got. Right. Um, well, everybody catch up on Halt and Catch Fire. Yeah, you, got, you guys got a long time. It's uh, 10 episodes in a year. I think everybody can manage that. So good. But yeah. Um, all right. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earbuds, subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on podcasts.